एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाय दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट वी मीट सम ऑफ द मोस्ट सेलिब्रेटेड सार्ट ऑफ फाउंडर्स इन द कंट्री एंड वी वॉन्ट टू लर्न हाउ टू बिल्ड अकॉर्न सो माई नेम इज शांतनु देश पांडे एंड आई एम द फाउंडर एंड सी ऑफ बॉम्बे शेविंग कंपनी D2C is the flavor of the season in India but the opportunity for creating generational brands is very real and today's D2C brands will become FMCG giants of tomorrow leading the pack in the men's grooming market is Bombay Shaving Company which counts FMCG giants like Reckitt Benkesa and Colgate Palmolive as its strategic investors and its founder shantanu deshpande is truly a gifted strategist who left a well paying consulting job to create an fmcg brand that is today worth 100 crores listen to shantanu decode the growth hacks and the mental models that helped him scale up so fast and become the leader of the pack in his space so i was born in dallas interesting i was born in dallas uh and my fa- my father was in tcs for a really long time so from 78 to 93 94 he was in tcs then for 3 4 years in another company so he was actually he was a, a part of a small team that set up a lot of the tcs offices in the 80s in the us so i was born in dallas when he was part of the dallas office and we were in boston for a few years we were in new york for a couple of years we were in then in florida for 3 4 years so around we, we stayed around around the place and then he in 97 he he was offered a, a job in pune to be ceo of tech mahindra which at that time was a very small mahindra group it company this is around the time when it was slowly starting to pick up and mahindra had british telecom as a you know sole client and he was asked to come in and lead that business so 97 to 2004 he was there uh, but it was a good job my grandmoms were getting older and my parents were like okay fine kids are getting older so let's go back that was i know i it was a decision my brother and i were absolutely against because I, for me india was all about summer vacation just coming back during the summer vacation of course and i was I, i you know right if you have cousins or someone who comes from us every other year they dress differently they talk differently they're always they're always the weird unique types and i i never felt at home in india even though uh, you know uh, this is family but um, So my brother and I were very unhappy about the move back. I think over after a year or so, we were fairly comfortable with it. Okay, okay. And so, like, what had you thought, uh, you know, during your teen years that you will go back to the US and study, or you were like pretty much settled into India? No, so I actually, my brother and I joined a very, very traditional school uh, in 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 Pune. uh called pikhe patel and you know like we became we in we were young right so we indianized fairly quickly uh us became a distant memory so uh you know then after that we you know we 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 were both we acclimatized to india very well we, i was I, i continued to hold a us passport but uh, going back to the us has never been an option my brother on the other hand for education he he was at iit bombay then he did his phd from stanford and kind of is has has been an academic and now working at a hedge fund in the us so his interest did not allow for a professional uh, pursuit in india but uh, for me india always is option number 1 and i'm other than maybe a couple of years in the us i don't think i will ever think about staying there india is a very exciting place now mm, true true 
So did you also uh, like pursue the path of engineering like your brother and your dad? Absolutely. So I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, between my brother and I, he was a lot more academically smart than I was. Uh, I did try for IIT, didn't make it, went to an IIT Nagpur, did my computer science. I was, I was a fairly sharp kid in the sense I knew how to clear my exams and do well, but was never an engineering enthusiast. It was just something that kids who are good at mathematics and science would do. So that's why I did it. Um, uh, but beyond that, it was, I knew that I wanted to do something more. So then finally I came, I was like, okay, fine. I want to start thinking about management as a, as a postgraduate option. So CAT became a really, CAT, GMAT, you know, stuff like that was what my final year in engineering was all about. Okay. How were you in the engineering years? Like, you know, were you like a, a, a focused on studies or were you like a outgoing extrovert types or? Yeah, I was an outgoing, I was a very outgoing, very extrovert. I was, um, I had a, I lived in a hostel, so I had a lot of friends. I, I, I'm the kind, I'm the kind of person, Akshay, who kind of, uh, identifies and associates with my community slash my institution very quickly from an identity standpoint. So for the four years I was at NIT Nagpur, I was a proud NIT Nagpur alumnus. You know, I was a proud student. I was a member of the college football team, so it became a very big passion for me. I was the sports secretary of the college, so building a sports infrastructure became very important to me. And when I went to I am Lucknow, for example, I am Lucknow is not at the same level level of Ahmedabad, Bangalore, Calcutta, right? I mean, it's a newer institute and so on. So, uh, but I always felt that so I got involved with the fest at I am Lucknow, and I felt our fest should be bigger in sponsorship and size than all the others. Uh, and then when I joined McKinsey, which was like a big deal for me because McKinsey doesn't recruit so many people from L as they do from the others. I felt that Lucknow should do well in McKinsey. And then, uh, you know, now, now I'm a proud McKinsey alumnus and I feel that McKinsey is, so I'm the kind of person who kind of really associates with the institution that I'm a part of. Uh, and yeah, I was, I was a footballer. I was, you know, I was a fairly, uh, extorted kid. I used to have, I had a motorcycle. So. Uh, you know, uh, naturally just moving around the city was a lot more fun. I was, um, I was a very, 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 a very happy four years I had. I made my best friends there. Mm. And, and straight after NIT, you got into IML. Yes. I, I gave my cat in my final year first shot. So it was six years of hostel life back to back. So it was fun. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you wanted to get into consulting, uh, like, you know, you're now in the FMCG space and, a lot of people during B-School have, like, you know, the, the most popular are banking, FMCG, consulting. So uh, what was it that you wanted to do? So, yeah, that's a good question. I did not want to do, I did not even know what consulting was when I went to B-School. It's insane how little I knew about the management world when I entered I am Lucknow. Okay. Um, uh, and I was one of only seven freshers on a batch of 350. So other people, they were like, our average experience of three or four years. So... People around me kind of worked, they figured out what they wanted to do, uh, and so on. Um, two things happened, right? I think one is I got a job. My internship was at Nokia in, um, in, uh, in my, during my, like, summers, right? And Nokia at that time was 2010. So Nokia was a, was run like an FMCG company. It was 70, 18,000 was our top line and just phones would like kind of fly. So the top management, Shiv Kumar, Vineet Taneja, all of these are ex-levers guys. So top management was all ex-levers in Cadbury. So it took okay, a while until the phone company was run like FMCG. 
Yeah, and it was ubiquitous. I mean, the only phone banner and logo you'll see all around the country was probably Nokia at that time. 100%. Everyone had no. It was a 100% market share business. And I remember April, I had 7th, my internship started. And uh, my first week there, there was the, uh, the 31st March was financial year closing, right? So there was the party for the sales team, which I was a part of. So all the top sales managers would achieve their target. The top guy was given a Honda City. So it was a big deal, right? And the guy on the top, I think, was Vijaywada or one of these places, had achieved like 700% of his target. And I caught up with him over a drink and he was like, it's not like I did something 7x more. <laughs> it's just that our phone sells so much. And I, But this was the peak, right? Because after that, within two years, uh, Nokia had started falling significantly compared to Samsung and some of the other brands. Yeah, yeah. I think around that time, the sale had happened, like 13, 14 only, I guess, the sale to Microsoft happened. Correct, correct, correct. So by the way, so, that, I, so I got an offer from Nokia to join full-time. I was fully convinced that I want to join Nokia as, you know, as, as a sales manager. Um, and I love the place and so on. Uh, when final month arrived, uh, I was allowed to apply for companies that come before Nokia to the campus or maybe one or two. I had an option to apply to two companies that come before Nokia to campus. Uh, if I, if I get those two, through those two, that's good. Otherwise I have to take the Nokia off. So I, uh, obviously, consulting comes first. Uh, so McKinsey, Boston Consulting Group, uh, Deutsche, Goldman, all of these companies. I, I chose McKinsey and Boston Consulting Group because those are the, I felt I was a better consultant than I would be a uh, banker and so on. Uh, but I was still not very keen to like prepare for it or I was not even sure I was going to get shortlisted. I had a, I had gotten shortlisted by BCG in the summer and I had a horrible interview problem. I had, like, I had one interview night they did not like it happened in the afternoon and i did not get you know get the offer and it was very, very painful i always felt that consulting is way outside my league like i'm not i'm not fit for it you know uh but at that time i had really started liking this girl on in my batch um and you know i had like a big crush on her and she was you know kind of very supportive and uh, she said hey uh, you know you should why, why, why don't you have two options why don't you apply she also had a ppo from a bank but she was wanted to get into consulting and uh, she said she should apply, and I, I was like, uh, I, I will, but I don't think anything's gonna really happen out of it. And she said, like, No, no, you apply, you'll be really good. You're, you're good with words. You're a sharp problem solver. Why, why, why? Do, I mean, my grades are not good enough, and you know, I, I had a bad BCG experience, and she said, No, no, do. So I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna prepare. So you know, let's prepare together. And I was like, Okay, that's that's a good enough. <laughs> <laughs> do it, right? <laughs> so, so uh, I applied and I got the shortlist. I didn't get one from BCG, but I got one from McKinsey. And uh, I was like, I, I was one of those guys who on my CV did not even put my academic grade. It was not great. So the shortlist itself was a surprise. But I was like, cool, now that I'm shortlisted, might as well prepare. She got all the shortlists, right? Uh, she was academically much, much better than I was. And we, I used the month to like really work hard on my case preparation and interview prep. And it's a fairly intense process. And I, as the preparation happened, actually, I realized I'm really good. I was really good at it, like surprisingly good at it. Like, I towards the end, right? I still remember, distinctly remember the date of 28th of Feb 2011 was my process. 21st, 22nd of Feb was when McKinsey came to campus for an event, uh, and they do like this for the whole month before the process. They come to campus, they do workshops, all of that stuff, right? So they came and. Um, uh, I remember one of the guys there who was ex-I am Lucknow uh, and said that, you know, 
hearing a lot of good things about you and we might put you in the interview list we might bring you first in front of the partners and so on and i was like cool that my reputation has kind of gone and like even like toppers from the shortlist were like calling me up and saying hey shantanu can we can we can we get an hour of prep time with you which is like never <laughs> happened for the two years there right so i was i was fairly confident going into the party but yeah yes so she got into bcg on that day and i got into bcg and we are we are we are happily married today so you know all well that's quite a love story yeah i mean we started, we started dating around like we started dating during that week because i think we the prep time and there was so many distractions she had gone for student exchange so she was not in india for a while and then she came back and then we prepped and then i think once the placements happened and then we had like a few months before we joined that's when we had like some breathing time and you know before we left campus we kind of uh, formalized that you know we not formalized we were like okay fine are we like dating <laughs> or are we not you know <laughs> what do we tell our friends you know and uh, it was good because consulting was great because you fly in you fly in on monday and you fly out on thursday or friday and she had the same gig so thursday friday we would kind of fly to we try to fly to similar locations and kind of uh, you know the, the firms sponsored our initial courtship it was great wow okay so uh, like uh, what was the base location that mckinsey for you bombay bombay i was i am from pune right so my parents are in pune so i took bombay but i never did a bombay project i always did stuff outside bombay um my first year was in you know udaipur my second year was in orissa i did a lot of work in delhi the factory is located in delhi so my 2014 is when we got married so 2013 and 14 uh, i took a lot of delhi based projects i did insurance cement um i did a couple of projects in bangalore i did a couple of projects outside india i did one project in mumbai what was the, the typical mandate that you would get like improve our profitability or like what was it like yeah, so mckinsey is a very like we mckinsey mckinsey as a firm attaches a team of four to five people at the very top of the organization right and so i served like my first job was to increase zinc production in a company my second job was to reduce the cost of product cost of procurement for coal for a power plant my third mandate was to was to create strategic plans for five years for a heavy engineering business of around 18 19000 crore top line um then i had to do learning and development for insurance agents for a life insurance company like how do how do you train agents right play of 13000 agents how do you train them so what's the so it's very diverse i did then did a cement sales transformation which is a company in india selling cement um how do you increase the output by 20% uh, in terms of volume how do you use price levers branding levers this is really interesting problems across the board my last project was agriculture so pesticides insecticides weedicides how do you brand them what kind of molecules do you use for the indian farmer so it was really interesting like i i had a blast i i met some of, i always felt like i was the dumbest person in a mckinsey room um very smart people very sharp um you know i think that job was tailor made for someone like me right four to five months in a project you know rigorous problem solving very analytical and then your bosses keep changing so you keep like learning from new people new clients new environments and so on. Oh, brilliant place too i i i think five years at mckinsey would be like 15 years at any other place 
from a just from a in, intrinsic building standpoint mm, i kind of look at my five years and think about a lot i don't know whether it's a good thing or not but a lot of my the way i think the way i plan the way i do things professionally is um, is guided by the way i learned to do things at pickingly so basically you you learn to think big right from day one as an entrepreneur if you are coming out of a consulting company i guess i think so so there are two three kinds of people at pickingly i don't think consulting is great for entrepreneurship to be very honest right i think from an intrinsic standpoint it is good because it it creates amazing networks for you it uh, teaches you how to talk to like board management shareholder management you know and financial analysis etc it does very well for you and problem solving it really teaches you how do you structure a problem how do you break it down etc i think the, the issue with consulting where consulting and entrepreneurship kind of conflict from a requirement standpoint is i think the consulting world teaches you to analyze a little more than needed and kills what i think is uh, maybe risk taking slash judgment driven decisions you know sometimes feel aati hai sometimes you feel that is the right thing to do you may things don't make sense but in your mind they do right entrepreneurs need to follow instinct a lot on a lot of things you can't keep waiting for the perfect data to you need to take calls consulting doesn't give you the comfort naturally to do the consultants are fairly conservative people that way mm mm-hmm. but a, a lot of uh, founders who scale fast i have seen uh, have a consulting background yeah so yeah they do uh, i don't but i don't I, i think it is more to do with overlap of excellent schools than it is to do with um with with the fact that they were because they are consultants I just feel like really good people from India end up going to IITs or IIMs or you know SRCC or whatever, and then those real then really good people of those really good people get selected into McKinsey or BCG or whatever, right? So now you suddenly have the like the cream there. Now you get the cream to go and do something, whatever it is, whether it's being an entrepreneur or whatever. You'll you, the chances of them doing it well will be much higher than the chances of an average person doing it. Who's not from a pool of excellence? Plus, the the investor's willingness to back is also much higher. Yeah, you take you take you take the you take the hundred people who are selected for the IAS for India this year, and you tell those hundred people that अगले पांच साल अब IAS मत करो, अब entrepreneur बन जाओ. The chances of them doing well is very high because anyway, those are like, it's a very it's a very high pool of excellence. Right? So I, I think it's more that than consulting. but yeah i think consulting also gives you like access to promote a lot of consultants like especially partners are very close to like senior founders of large multi billion dollar businesses they're very close their advisors to them so they firsthand see how they think how they decide how they build leadership teams a lot of those things come in very handy mm mm-hmm. mm so uh, how did you uh, end up leaving uh, consulting for an uh, like a entrepreneurial venture so my so two two three triggers right i think 2004 my dad was 50 years old 49 years old I, I, to be very honest i lived a very luxurious and privileged and rich so i had a childhood which was very well endowed uh but my dad sat us down in 2004 and said hey guys uh, look shantanu you are now going to nagpur and yash is now he is finishing his 10th and is fairly you know is fairly independent and will do well in life so i am not going to put aside any money for your education 
do you guys want to go to the us and we both said no so okay i don't need to put any money for the education we have bought a house uh, you know your mom and i don't need a lot i'm now going to become an entrepreneur so i did not understand what that meant so i said what does that mean like look i mean you won't believe he actually told us how much he made at uh, tech mahindra ceo if we have stock options we have some made and he comes from like sheer poverty actually my dad like my dad and his four three siblings and the mom like my grandfather passed away when my dad was seven and my dad was the oldest of the four siblings the others others were even smaller and they, my grandmom was on a government teacher salary so they that's how they lived their life uh when he went to bitspilani then iit and then joined tcs and then when he went to the us and then he started seeing the world he comes from he comes from nothing um and he sat us down and he showed us the salary and you know how much we have saved what are our asset base or all of that so now he said i am putting in this much you know 20% of my savings into a company and i'm starting up now and uh, i'll introduce my his co-founder was a professor of computer science at iit kanpur um, and uh, he said i'll introduce you to pravin and uh, but now we will not be able to go on international vacations uh, we'll have to cut down on uh, some of our spending etc so are you guys okay with that and my mom was very comfortable like my mom is one of those sadhu san type people like you put her in a one room kitchen with like 4000 rupees a month of she will manage in that also she's very happy so she said sure so this is exciting and my brother and i were so excited by this whole thing because that meant that dad would be home a lot more you know it just meant that he i i did not realize for for us his job as ceo was very demanding so he would like be out of pune half the time come home late in the night we missed our dad so we were like great so we he set up an office inside the house we here we had like a big white board and everything and him and until there were like five six seven people they used to work out of our out of our home which is amazing then this was like a software company that he set up so he set up this company called mojo networks uh, which at that time was called airtight networks airtight was a was a wifi security device business basically they would put devices to secure any wifi network which had sensitive information on it So think about think about uh, you know uh, uh, any defense building or any bank which has you know sensitive information they will put the device the Pentagon in the US for example has airtight devices in it so they basically build Wi-Fi security so they sold their business in 2018 2019 to Arista Networks. my dad doesn't want my brother and me to get complacent about life so he's kind of, he's like he about you very 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 particular he said he like we have a family lawyer for many years um, my dad obviously because he would travel a lot he had made a will um and uh, every year he would make my brother my and me read his will uh but last two years he has not so i'm assuming that uh, <laughs> he told the lawyer that, that the will is there and when the time is right you please let chandno and yash know what needs to be done that's pretty much where it is but i think no i think i think wow, their life has like their lifestyle has not changed and uh my my sense is uh, my sense is it's, it's, it's a significant amount of uh but i think for someone who built a business of 15 years uh, he was ceo of techmindra right and he started a company at 50 50 to 60 is when CEOs maximize their financial gain. He was a, he was going to be made CEO when he could have been a CEO of another company. Then failed. They built Techmindra from a 40 crore business to like an 800 crore top line business and almost taken them public and then so on. Right. So uh, I think he was fairly ambitious and risk risk taking that. But for me, that was one 
like my dad's journey and seeing it so close from a young age was a big driver for me to do this the second thing i think mckinsey pilot is amazing for the first 4 5 years it starts becoming a little bit about partnership how do you make partner who are your clients stuff that is not fundamentally about client service and that became a little boring for me uh ki tum like who which partner are you associating with or what's your practice and stuff like that so and the third thing was that i i met uh, like two of my two people who are really respected mckinsey left for like startup jobs right so one one guy went on to become the ceo of flipkart one guy went on to become ceo at mintra anand and zaiki and i was like these guys made senior partner last year and now have now left what's the point like it's not 15 saal you work hard and you become senior partner with amazing salary and to respect and all and then you leave for startups and what's the point right so that is the third trigger but i think the fourth trigger was a friend of mine in the us had interned at harris um which at that time was an amazing men's grooming brand today like good men's grooming brand out of the us and he told me that you know look at this dollar shave club video and you know they're taking on gillette and this and that I'm like that's so cool and i started thinking about this also a very good friend of mine in bombay at the time was a brand manager at axe so he and i would talk about men's grooming and how axe is getting killed by fog so a lot of things started happening in 2014 2015 which kind of you know told me that i want to build an fmcg brand of mine that's something you always love like it was a it was something i always felt that hcl nokia procter colgate racket would be where i would build my career until mckinsey happened right uh so i want i felt that like i had the chops the intrinsic the interest the passion to build something and i felt i felt building a brand for men made sense because there weren't many around you know beauty was a beauty was something that was uh far more indexed in women than it was in men but over the last 20 years we know that men have want started wanting to look good a lot especially after social media uh live casting you want to get right swipe on tinder you know uh, your profile picture you want good stuff on instagram so you, but you don't like two 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 guys never talk about grooming it's just socially unacceptable but three girlfriends are very comfortable talking about lip color or hair shampoo or hey i love i love your cheeks what what, <laughs> what moisturizer do you use you know here a guy tell his friend even if they're very close friends you do till gaadi bahut rahi hai So you, you like you need a brand there to tell men because it has started becoming important for them. But like social society is not a place to get answers. So all that put together, I felt that good time to start Bombay Shaving Company. Was there a certain amount of naive optimism? Okay, you know, okay, you know, let's start a FMCG company. I mean, it, it just sounds naively optimistic. <laughs> yeah so i i was not naive optimism i i i felt that I, again like a consultant i kind of figured out is the market large yes um are the margins good yes uh is the internet a place where you can start creating brand stories yes how many months did you spend researching this thesis before you took the plunge probably it not researching but it was ruminating in my head for a year and a half or so at least i i felt that there's a good way to build a men's grooming brand in india and uh, here's a way to do it there are multiple approaches right so fog approach was take a category like deodorant which is very cluttered and totally create the clear differentiation through the proposition which is you know art so spray no no gas 
right? And just build an offline brand, which is a brilliant and marketed on television. That was a brilliant. But you need a lot of money for it. We were not able to raise that kind of money upfront because no one would pay. I had no credentials on as an FMCG operator. So the other approach was enter a subcategory where you can build a certain amount of premium brand equity, and then use that equity to then launch another subcategory. So then we said, okay, that's the way we want to do it. And take on the biggest subcategory, which is shaving. And then take on Gillette and razors and blades. And then once you build an equity, that okay, they're great guys, great design, very premium product, great experiences. Then you can you have the license to play in multiple other categories. So that we would kind of did it in a different way. Hmm. Hmm. And you decided from day one to be like uh, like a D two C online brand, or you wanted to have offline also, like. No, I I am fund. I'm I'm a believer that Indian retail is built offline. uh sustainably right uh so you can get initial traction first 5 crores a month 3 crores a month 2 crores a month it whatever depending on the category and the penetration of the category you can build some some scale online um but if you really want to be a household brand right our investor for example are colgate pamalos or racket banki two of the most penetrated household brands in india right For me, that was the aim, and that is the aim even today. I want a Bombay shaving company form in every house in India where someone is shaving. But I can't do that by two D two C or e commerce. Sure, I can get eyeballs by marketing on Facebook and Google and building a fantastic D two C experience. But the end goal always will be to to capture a shelf in a store and to capture every shelf in every store. If you like to hear stories of founders then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses just search for the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify Ghana Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show So how did you uh, get this off the ground like this is something which needs a certain amount of upfront money in the product you know like you need to spend in developing the product so did you like uh, put in your own money did you raise funds like you know tell me about the launch both both so i i quit mckinsey in august the end of 2015 right um and my exit from the firm was kind of was kind of uh, you know I, i'm a very emotional kind of guy like i'm a, i'm a, i'm a, you know uh, I'm at, like I said, right? I'm attached to institutions. So leaving the firm was not an easy decision or an easy process for me. Like it was like I owe the firm a lot. Even today, like I I, I try to uh, I'm a faculty at a lot of their trainings. I uh, whenever they need help on recruitment, I'm always there as an alumnus. Um, and you know, so I exited the firm over a many month period where I had. detailed long chats with a lot of the partners who were my mentors my bosses and the good part about mckinsey is every project is different right so by the end of 5 years you have worked with i had worked with like 50 60% of the firm partnership by then at least one or the other project right so every conversation and i was a i was a high performing guy there like uh, the firm invested in you for the first four five years they let you do what you want to do and that point once you start becoming a partner is when you start paying back to the firm by bringing in clients and so on right so i was i was leaving after they had invested but i had not given back so for the for the firm it was not they were also not very happy about the choice 
but amazing like the the, the partner was so cool uh, you know they, they finally said that look you're not walking away from the farm you're walking towards a dream of yours and we will never hold you back in fact tell me how we can be a part of your dream and uh, 23 mckinsey partners invested in bombay shaving company when i was leaving the firm on in in a in a principal agreement that hey i'm writing you a check let me just come back someone wrote for 15 lakh someone wrote for 50 lakh someone wrote for 30 lakh aisa karke i i had principal uh, investment approvals for around 4 crores i put in another 60 lakhs of my own so i had a cool kitty the day the comp- so this was all all the uh, approvals are all had happened before uh, i launched the company so i launched the company then we got all the money in uh, and then i had a cool 4.6 4.7 crore kitty and then um, you know uh, brought in three of of the, the our first three uh, folks uh, rona rohit and deepu uh, into the company one to head our brand one to head our product development and one to head our supply chain and process right so um that's how we got and then we we, we designed our razors we got industrial designers we understood the procurement of shaving creams and shaving balms and after shaves and gels and everything we it's well, like once you go deep and you start talking to people it's not that complex it's just a matter of doing it well uh, so it took us six seven months uh, but good part is good part is not very expensive huh? to take a product off the ground is not very expensive but don't you need a certain minimum order size for a vendor to really develop something for you agar aap dekho shaving cream dekho our first order was i think 5000 shaving creams each of them was for 24 rupees landed cost 24 into 5000 is a lakh 1.2 lakh for initially i 1.2 plus you know some testing vesting stability certification 1.5 to 2 lakhs no you can put you can get the product in the warehouse you will have to spend money in building a website etc but it's fairly reasonable hmm okay okay so, uh, how, how how many like you know how what inventory did you launch with like when you started like what was the product how many skus how interesting right? we we were so arrogant i don't know like now it easy to look back and laugh but at that time we were convinced that bombay shaving company is the only shaving experience worth having so we will only sell the whole kit you cannot buy individual products okay so the kit was also like this like this we felt we made the kit look real and i think that worked for us in the long run <laughs> it had this like metal razor on top like think about like a like the a, a luxurious fountain pen right get a metal razor which weighed like 100 grams it looked beautiful it's still like one of our best products right then we had a shaving cream a post shave balm and a pre shave scrub so like a regimen for shaving we had a shaving brush and uh, uh you know japanese blade all of this came in like this big nice box like the size of a shoe box and this was like that uh, single razor blade yeah the single blade right so it's like for the purest and this we, we charge 3500 bucks for this hmm. but this such a niche product man like how many people use so even today we have realized that razor and blade is something where we will struggle to beat gillette because they have just been so good at it that at price point in india is so hard to beat unlike dollar shave club in the us which could beat a bigger club like that india is very value customer right so we can't win in that game we have to win in the shaving foams shaving creams after shaves uh, you know facial uh, cleansing face washes face scrub 
that game is where we will have to win so yeah we will we have kind of evolved significantly from this and we said we will not sell on amazon and flipkart another very smart ki tumko agar lena hai you come to my website and buy it took a long time to realize ki people in the world are not as passionate about shaving as we are so so we like this like colgate guy also said us ki hum you have to the product has to uh, kind of cater to the customer customer will not cater to the product and it took us two three years to learn this acha okay like like when did you realize that this is not working the strategy you took of you know being pure shaving experience and only on our website yeah all six within six seven months we realized that we scale nahi ho raha hai bahut mehanga ho raha hai scale karna customer aa hi nahi raha customer like customer aa raha hai khareed nahi raha to mehanga ho raha hai aur bechna 4000 rupees ka product bechne ke liye we have to spend 2000 rupees per cake so we were like this is not working man this is not working so we said okay fine So the so I'll tell you like how many kits did you sell in that first six months? We sold a lot, yeah. I'll tell you to be honest. Uh, our first month sale was five lakh rupees, right? So we sold how many? One hundred and twenty kits. Then second, by by the seventh month, our sale was fifteen, seventeen lakh rupees per month. This is not bad. Seventy uh, lakh rupees selling only through kits is not is not bad. And that too only through your own site, you know, like only through my own site. Huh, huh, huh. and you had a fulfillment partner to do the logistics and yeah yeah whole is whole is all logistics very very good yeah very good so where are one warehouse in delhi because it was an assembled product right i think the i think the first thing we did the first thing we did was we will sell individual products which are in this kit on our website which is shaving cream so, so the buy in was lower that you can come and buy a shaving cream if you want you need to buy all those then amazon guys told us to guys Yeah, I spoke to many friends. A lot, couple of friends from McKinsey have also left and joined Amazon, and they were like, "Hey, boss, I'm going to do anything. Amazon, just my traffic to your website will not be enough. Like there is no way. Either the product is the same, the customer is the same. The customer wants to buy on Amazon. You are taking three days to deliver. I'll deliver it the same day. Why are you being stubborn? Why are you being stubborn? I said, no. On Amazon, they will not get the same. It is a bad experience. Amazon, what what experience do you want on Amazon? Product listing, brand store. I said, yeah, brand store. So, okay, so to brand store, banana. So for a brand like us, which is so small, they gave us a brand store, which at that time was not something they would do for a lot of brands. Then we went on Amazon, and we suddenly saw scale happening. I was like, wow, yeah, that's an interesting thing. So a lot of like a lot of like this entrepreneurship journey has been very humbling that way. That's a lot of things that you think, you know, your your ego gets broken a lot. Uh, through the process, but I think we learned over a period of time two three things, right? Which is one, be where the customer is, right? Second is make products the customer wants. Third is be at a price point that is genuinely competitive. Just because you feel your brand is premium doesn't mean the customer feels that your brand is premium, right? So if you if a, if you are making a shaving cream for one ninety rupees and the average shaving cream in the market is for fifty rupees, then one forty five rupees ka premium you have to justify to the customer fairly well. You can't just say because my packaging is got uh, you know uh, matte finish, you will pay. No, customer won't pay for that. Customer will pay two hundred or fifty rupees for a shaving cream in body shop because the store in body shop and the fragrance and everything is so amazing, right? But still, fewer people will buy. We have to okay, we have to really realize that we one we have to be where the customer is, so it will be everywhere, will be offline. Secondly, our category is lesser engaging, right? So. we are in a low engaging category so we have to accept it and which means that in a high engagement category like mobile phones or cars or whatever 
customer will do the research and make the choice if you are genuinely a better product you will get bought but in our case even if you are a better product because customer will decide in like 2 seconds you have to be there and you have, your brand has to be consideration brand so invest in brand and be in every shelf so to customer big bazaar mein hai to wahan jao customer big basket mein hai to wahan jao customer more mein hai to wahan jao customer amazon pe you have to be there you have to be everywhere and you have to sell yourself everywhere uh there's multiple things that we have learned along the way so uh, like from that 17 lakhs a month uh, when did you cross 1 crore a month we crossed a crore uh, 17 lakhs was only 2017 uh 2017 june when we raised our first round of financing uh from fireside i think we crossed a crore the year next year like a year later okay and oh, what what uh, led to the crore like what was the contributor you went offline you went to amazon matlab what all was it so we went to no we didn't go offline then we went to amazon at uh, at the time nike was also building out pretty well number one number two is we launched Uh, a range of products in the beard category so beard was taking off at that time because we were in facial hair management you know shaving beard we kind of had a complementary equity to launch there um uh, and because i think we we raised some money so we were able to invest in the brand did you also like change your product pricing yeah so the good part uh, akshay was that our initial products no other than the razor which is like at 1800 bucks our other products were Yeah, premium but not so premium. Our beard range was fairly fairly competitive. Was fairly competitive. And after that, no, we have been very very particular that our price point has to be affordable and attractive to the customer. We are not cheap, but we are very competitive. Like for example, a shaving foam or Bombay Shaving Company, you will get for two twenty rupees. Gillette will get for ninety rupees. So we are we and you know equally good and so on. Hmm. Okay. 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 So you know, like, how did the fireside deal happen? Like, uh, you know, what did they like in you? Like, so I, I, I Kaval was the was the uh, was the GP there. He was the founder of Fireside. We met at a mall, and I took I took our initial product. Oh, he loved the initial product. So we were sitting at a barista in Vasant Square Mall in Vasant Kunj. He opened the product, and you know. I, So there are a lot of things we did right in that, right? The, we used to fold the towel up in a particular way and spray fragrance on it. So when the box opened, the fragrance would hit, and the customer would get a good whiff, right? We opened the product, we passed the razor. He's like, "Shantanu, this is really cool stuff, man. This is really cool stuff," and so on. And he said, "We would like, we would like to invest in your company." Like it was, if you basically, saw, yeah, I, I, I mean, they were amazing, the amazing um, investors to have on day one. high support uh, very very like very very uh, uh, emotionally attached to the brands so you genuinely like kaval uh, kanan when uh, uh, i all these guys they buy your products as consumers they'll give you feedback they'll use it and they have their now invested like in 50 companies so poor guys <laughs> keep using their brand, brand ka products and giving feedback but that they're you know, very good so that that was helpful capital yeah. Okay, and uh, like, when did you start going offline then? So, like, seventeen, you were at like one CR a month. Fireside invested in twenty seventeen when we were at seventeen. Twenty eighteen August is when Colgate invested. When Colgate invested, we were at seventy five eighty lakhs a month. I think, I think we hit a CR in Valentine's Day twenty nineteen. Okay, 
February 2019 when we hit a crore amount for the first time. Mm-hmm. And how did the Colgate investment come through? Like, was that through Fireside? Uh, like, they enabled it? No, no, no. Fireside was... Uh, in fact, Colgate had reached out to us while the Fireside deal was going on. Uh, their head of strategy global, uh, who was the India CEO in the late 90s, Jay. So Jay reached out, but, you know, with large strategic investors, how it is. So we said, look, we have a term sheet and we're going to go ahead with Fireside. But let's keep, let's keep talking. And uh, we kept talking, we started grew, started growing and we, you know, Jack came back to India, we met a few times. And um, they loved our D2C capabilities. They loved how we thought about D2C, how we built websites, how we built uh, marketing stacks, uh, etc. And um, uh, they felt that it will be tremendous value to learn for their teams globally also, from an oral care standpoint. Uh, plus, uh, they really liked our uh, men's grooming business from Palmolive Energy standpoint also. So, they said, look, we'll put in a little money. We know it's not a acquisitive deal. Your two guys are too small. Uh, but we want to learn. We, they were early investors in Dollar Shape Club, which was, you know, something that they had kind of done well uh, for them. Uh, so, they said, we want to learn. So, 2018, um, they invested in us. And it was, again, just a, um, you know, brilliant uh, set of people. Uh, Investment was actually it was a global decision to invest from 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 New York. It's not the India company that invested. It's the New York company uh, via the Hong Kong uh, business. And um, at the time, Venod Nambia, who today is the CEO of More Retail in India, uh, at that time he was CEO of Colgate Asia. He became a very close friend. Uh, Mukul, who today is Asia CEO and was earlier the chief marketing officer for Colgate Global, he's a close mentor to the company. These are guys who just, you know, the money for them is very small. They're like a hundred billion dollar market business, market cap business, right? But for a small company like us doing, of course, you know, 50 lakhs a month, 60 lakhs a month, they were spending time teaching us, you know, these are guys who also understand brand management so well. We've been running like a 220 year old brand, right? So usually they understand product. Like in India, they sell 3 billion toothpastes and toothbrushes every year. They understand supply chain, they understand procurement. So we have, we, we showed a lot to learn. That's how, like, we, I was excited. They were excited about us for, for their own reasons. I was excited about them for my own reasons. And it was a match uh, which was, was very well made. Hmm. Okay. So when did you go offline? Like after the Colgate uh, investment? Like, I, I guess Colgate must have helped. You know, in the India head of Colgate sales, the guy called MC. I, I would probably, the most knowledgeable guy in offline sales I have professionally interacted with. Um, he during the you know, even during the courtship period I had met him a couple of times and he shaped the way we thought. Uh, we you know one of our core one of our very high performing guys Shanky we made him head of offline sales. We were at that time ten twelve people. So he went to Bombay and he started did a recce for like a month. And then we started slowly we started cracking a few deals. We started shaping up our products to look good on ourselves. Uh, and Bombay was our first city, so we slowly went to like, you know, 50,000 a month, 80,000 a month, uh, then 1 lakh a month. Modern trade, we cracked La Marche in Delhi. So it's very, very slow and steady approach to building out our offline sales business. Uh, without even a Colgate coming in really helped us. And then head of Colgate offline sales for Delhi, uh, and North was a guy called Deepak Gupta. We had a personal situation at home which was because of which he couldn't start up but wanted to go to a startup. So had left Colgate, wanted to go to a startup. And you know, when the Colgate deal had just happened, so I ended up meeting him 
and I loved him, and he joined us to head our offline sales business. And um, today he's the CEO of the company, CEO. Uh, but he played a fundamental part in helping Shanky kind of take the game to the next level. Today, we do upwards of two two point two crores a month only offline sales. We are the for a for a young brand to do that scale of business offline, and like we have grown five times from last March to now in like one five quarters. So it's a very fast growing business. And that too at a time when offline sales got hit due to the COVID thing. Yeah. Good part is like personal care did not get affected that much because people continue to shave and wash their face and so on, right? So it was not. And plus, you know, uh, at a business level, uh, people you know continue to look online for stuff where we compete well. So overall, it works good for us. But yeah, offline did very very well. So what is your mix now, like offline marketplaces and D two C? Offline plus B two B, right? So which is our uh gifting and corporate gifting and all that all that put together is roughly roughly 35 percent of our business uh d2c is roughly 15 and 50 percent is marketplaces okay 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 okay. and uh how did the uh, racket investment uh, happen (laughs) again so racket i got introduced to racket because the global CEO of Racket, who joined them in 2019, was the person who inducted me into McKinsey as a senior partner in 2011. So he was at PepsiCo, and you know I, I met him in New York, and we were very close. We were very like we were very senior to me, but he was a mentor, and uh, he's a mentor to a lot of people from the McKinsey India office. He's a very magnanimous personality, Lakshman. So Lakshman said, "Hey, you know I'm joining Racket, and I'm going to be the global CEO. Why don't you talk to a few guys about?" you know, your business and how we can work together. So he kind of made an introduction email and kind of forgot about it. But the people I got introduced to were their global head of e-commerce and uh, ERB and a couple of their senior folks. And we just hit it off. Yeah? So they were in India, we, 20, 2019, uh, uh, we, we, we did a lot of brainstorming on on categories. They came to our office. They saw our D2C capabilities. And they said, hey, your D2C is brilliant. Uh, we we feel that we can learn a lot and not only learn a lot, like Colgate has a more, uh, you know, soft approach where it's more, you know, you guys learn, share and so on. Forget all that, you guys run our DOC business. So you run Durex.com, you run Enfa.com. Two of our brands, if you do well, they'll give you more brands. And then I said, okay, I said, look, we're not a service agency. Right? This is what you give an agency. We're not an agency. We're a brand business. You know, I understand that, right? but if you run our business, your your company will also benefit. You will you know you'll make some money. Your your team will get into, like learnings. You will you know you can so much benefit comes from running a big brand. I, I agree with that, right? So I said sure, okay, cool. Why don't we do it? But if you want us to do this, you have to invest equity in the company. So that was they were like, okay, hmm, should we invest equity? But you already have Colgate, and I said, look, all of the matter. Colgate. Colgate are also strategically important for us. You guys are strategically important for us. You guys, Colgate and Reckon don't compete. You guys are a hygiene health business. Colgate is an oral care, personal care, beauty business. So, uh, what's the issue? So, the election, okay. So, then it took a long time for them to agree to it. But uh, once 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 the ball gets rolling until I think it, it stops only after it stops. Right? So, uh, <laughs> we kind of got a shareholder agreement together. We introduced the Colgate guys, the record guys. They got along well. And today, we are a small business with two globally large companies as strategic investors sitting on the cap table with all these 
other mckinsey and other angels so it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting captable so which brands are you running for racket durex and enfa uh, what is enfa uh it's a milk substitute for young kids so okay like pediatrics or yeah nanpro etc right so they have a brand called enfamil they have enfa bro they have it's it, it was owned by this company called meat johnson um and it's one of it's one of if not the world's largest brand i think it's a 3 1/2 4 billion dollar brand global but in india they have uh, they have entered later so they they're picking up now in india and i think my personal belief is d2c is a fantastic place because high aov high repeat subscribable business if, if the child likes the taste then the parents are not going to go to any other brand they'll just say okay fine maneka based on come on right Uh, and the other one is Durex, which is like the sexiest category possible. Uh, so those, those are two brands we are going to run. We are in the process of handing over the websites to us and running it. Hmm. So uh, uh, how how much money will you make in this? Like, is it a percentage of sales arrangement with you, or what is it like? It's a it's a percentage of sales arrangement. It's a percentage of sales arrangement and and uh, and a percentage and a, a, a bonus kicker for achieving the targets. Okay. Okay, okay. But how much do you think it will contribute to your uh, revenue? Like not a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. initially single digit, but uh, I think I think for for us it's not. We're not in this for the revenues. We're in it for uh, for the learnings, and I think I think it it helps us flex our muscles a lot. Just running Bombay Shaving Company dot com will help you get to certain level. But if you suddenly start doing three four different things, three four different target pools of audiences, three four different kinds of uh media which are buying uh you know just uh, you, you, your team becomes much sharper if they they, they do three four different things so uh, i think that that that's what is more exciting for me so you, you've told me a couple of times in our conversation that a lot of investors were impressed with your d2c stack uh, tell me about that like what what all does it include and how did you build that up are i so i always feel that d2c is something which like people use this term a lot right Yeah, uh, and it's now becoming like these happy people. It's like becoming this, like this. What do you call it? Uh, uh, this cultish thing that D2C, D2C. Like people who don't do D2C feel, like, oh, we need to. Like, everyone feels we need to do D2C, etc. I think the idea was simple. I, I, I think it is about doing a lot of simple things really well, rather than doing like three, four big silver bullet kind of things, right? Building a really conversion-friendly website, for example. It's super critical, making sure that loading times and convert customer journeys are as clean as possible, making sure payments are zero on failure. Like everyone knows this. I'm not saying something which people don't know. Uh, then uh, bringing people, bringing the right people to the website very economically, right? Um, being on top of media buying. So Facebook, Instagram, Google are the most important media, you know, media spend you'll make. But the sophistication of data that you get as a marketer is amazing, right? You would know exactly what kind of audience interacts with what kind of ad set for what kind of product and how it converts or how what kind of click rates you get, right? We would we run experiments through the roof, right? Every ad set is like a experiment for us. So you keep learning, you keep becoming better. So you keep doing small, 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 small things, and an increment. I, like it's a goal by a thousand passes approach. Good D2C in my view is a goal by a thousand passes. You see the final goal; it's a tap-in. It doesn't look sexy, and it it definitely doesn't you know feel like you've achieved a lot. 
the process is one where the team continuously gets better and better and better. So continuous review and doing the small things, thousand small things really well, I think is what makes DTC work for us. So you, in your initial hiring, did not have a guy to build the D2C stack, no? Like we had a product design guy, a procurement guy, and a, a marketing guy. So me and the marketing guy built it out initially. Uh, we, we have, like McKinsey has taught us that if you're a generalist, then you can you should be able to solve any problem. So for the first two, three years, it was me only doing everything. Then we got someone senior to look at D2C. We got a few, you know, uh, we started learning this from. Uh, junior folks who had done this for uh, branded at scale, like Mintra, for example. We got a lot of experts to come and teach us through workshops how to do B2C. Um, a close friend of mine was someone senior at Facebook, so we asked him to set up something for Facebook advertising. So, we, we, I mean, we were very curious and we were very eager to learn. And because you were hands-on, so I guess that's like a very strong part of the company DNA since you personally like built it up. Correct, absolutely. For the first, for the first three, four, three years, three, three and a half years, I was every like three times a day reviews, problem solving sessions, whiteboard sessions, all the time. So that's that's when you build the foundational muscle. And then after that, I've gotten lesser and lesser involved as 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 and how people far smarter than me joined the team, my requirement was, was kind of made irrelevant. So uh, it was great for me. It allowed me to focus on things that I like doing. What is it that you like doing? What, what are you focusing on? So I I'm I I've realized as a CEO, I'm not as good an operator as I am a strategy guy. So I'm able to see patterns much better than I'm able to execute a particular let's say piece of work. Uh, um, uh, my job, I, I think the CEO's job is three four things, right? Number one is setting a very clear mandate for the next three, six, and twelve months. Continuous. Okay. 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 For the organization and and the team. For the organization, for the leadership team, and for each team, individual teams in the company. Right. So mandate setting happens at multiple levels. Uh, then second is defining what the vision of the business is for the long term, and over communicating it. Like I I think I sound like a broken record nowadays, but this is what we're doing. Every all hands, every interaction. Just reminding people of what the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is, really. Third thing is to keep the company financially stable and to be com- financially compliant, right? Have a very clear understanding of your financials, how much money you need, how, what kind of margin structure you have today, what are the decisions you need to make to make the margin structure better, etc. Those are the like, that's third job. And fourth job, I think, is for a culture of performance and emotional health of the business, right? Which is 120 people have to work in a particular way, have to interact with each other in a particular way. CEO and founder holds that close a lot. But on execution, operation, like day-to-day decisions, week-on-week decisions, uh, even even target achievements, I have uh, my, my, you know, my CEO and my leadership team look at it far better than I do. And it's not even a skill of mine, to be honest. I don't do that well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, teach me how to do mandate setting. Like, you know, do you uh, put it on paper with numbers or is it like a more uh, aspirational kind of a mandate you set? Or, you know, like, how do you do that? So, I think mandate is at the end of the day, 
hey, this is what the business expects you to achieve. But there has to be a very strong reason to believe. That okay. For example, we are we are we are doing very well in women's hair removal today. For example, it's now twenty percent of our business. Okay, we started as a men's business. We are now reinventing into a men and women business. Now, we are we are in the process of setting the mandate for our women's women's hair removal business. So, what? How do you how do you do that? I would say okay, fine. I want to build a hundred crore women's hair removal brand in India. Okay, that's the mandate. Why it makes sense for me? Okay, number one. India has a twenty thousand crore women hair removal market, of which ninety five percent is vaccine services. Okay, but five percent and growing is products, which is razors and uh, hair removal cream and so on. Women, younger women especially, want a razor in the purse. Okay, Nike has told us that that's what they want. They are going to listen to them, and initial feelers are that it's going to work. Um, vaccine is inconvenient and painful. Women don't have time. If they want to go for a party tonight, or they want to go for a date tonight, they want to wear something a skirt, they will shave their legs. So you have to be the razor there, okay? Uh, and uh, there's the competitive landscape, unlike men, where Maxi and Fusion are such good products. In women's hair removal, our product is far better, far better than than any other offering. So we believe that this is that the reason to believe is high, right? Hence, there is no mandate now. And how did the hundred crore number come? And is that a number you tell your team that you need to hit hundred crore turnover in the next twelve months? Like, is that how you set the mandate? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And and how did that number come? It's basically it's basically I I, I want to get to five crore per month by end of the year and ten crore per month by end of next year, like by by June of next year. Pretty much it. Pretty much as simple as that. It's a run rate thing, and uh, for that you need to sell these many units. This is the average price. Here is how the channel structure or channel mix is going to be, and here is what the large market is. Here is the budget for marketing. Now figure it out. And this is where the intuition also comes in. Like you said, that consultants don't have that intuition, but this would be a gut-driven number. Like, like it, it, it is triangulated, right? So I know, for example, how big Venus is. I know how big Beat is. I know how big Kai and Tinkle are. I know. Number of searches for women's hair removal products across Google and Amazon. I know the size of the category offline. I know what is the size of the category in stores where my men's products sell. So I'm able to triangulate a lot of these things to say, okay, fine. Today I'm at today I'm at 1.3 crores. What's the journey from 1.3 crores a month to six uh, crores a month? Like, what? How does that waterfall build up in my mind? Like, and what? How, how much do I have to invest in that? And then I give the mandate to the team, saying, "This is my belief." I, mandates are always presentations; they're never asks. So mandate setting is a five to seven page slide deck that I make and present and say, "You either disagree with me and tell me, I would be delighted if you can be more ambitious than me. I cannot accept it if you are less ambitious than I am, unless I have gotten some assumptions wrong." So you tell me, no, no, Shantanu, you are overestimating the market size, or you are underestimating the competitive uh, difficulties. So let's have a discussion. Then we have a discussion on it. And many times, my team convinces me that I'm, you know, either being over ambitious or under ambitious or whatever. But once we align, then I let them go, and I'm, then they hire on their own. They figure it out on their own, and I just review every month and so on. Hmm. Amazing. So, so in a way, you sell a vision. Using a deck uh, on why that vision can be achieved and in what timeline. 
absolutely then i have then sometimes i have to hire the right person for that mandate if the person doesn't exist if i feel that this mandate needs to be run by an independent individual and people in my team don't have the bandwidth or the capability or i think i need someone else then then i also go and hire uh, so that, that that's also becomes my job which is you know senior team setting up a senior team Hmm. 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 Okay. Okay. And so, what is your uh, product range now? Like you said, you've gone into women's hair removal. So what else is there now? So we have obviously we have men's shaving, which is you know razors, trimmers, after shaves, shaving cream, shaving foams, or uh, shaving balms, etc. The whole shaving range. There are a lot of facial hair management solutions, right? Our beard range, our charcoal face washes, uh, etc. We have hair hair oils. Um, we have uh for and you know uh charcoal face pack uh, and stuff like that for men right uh for women we have three four different kind of razors we have a post shave balm lavender soothing balm and we have a uh pre shave foam for women uh, and of course razor, you know milk eyebrow razor face razor bikini razor foldable razor we have a body razor etc Okay, so where do you uh, stand in the pecking order? Like you know, like there is Manco and there's Beardo. So you know, uh, in uh, like between your peers, like are you like you know where do you stand? Like are you bigger than the others, or, or are there other peers who are bigger? Or? So it depends on the category. So for example, uh, in shaving, we are bigger than all of these guys. Other than we are we are smaller than Gillette, Nivea. and possibly vijon but we are bigger than the others okay in beard they are much bigger than us right beardo is much bigger than us beardo ustra mankapri are bigger than us in the beard category uh, from an overall business in women's hair removal uh, venus and vita are bigger than us but we are we are climbing very quickly and competing very hard right um from an overall standpoint i think beardo and man company are probably 20 25% bigger than we are uh and ostra is probably the same size as we are uh, not sure last three four months how covid has been for them uh but i really respect these guys by the way like i think what beardo man company and ostra have all built outstanding brands in new category which is not easy to do so we took on shaving which is an established category so it's much easier to build a proposition there but building a new category like beard was just insanely difficult and they did a fantastic job of it mm 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 So how has covid been for you like very good for us like wow. i know the country went through like like un, un unbelievably tragic um you know experiences we were three three of our um colleagues have lost a parent right um from a business standpoint two things happened right one is personal care uh products went up from a category standpoint people bought more of it right why is that like why did that happen they're not spending on going out so they spend on pampering yeah you and you have to show your face now on zoom calls in office and all not like you have to wash your face you have to shave you have to clean your beard you have to, like all the usage continues in fact you are at home all the time so you won't even use the bad stuff that you get in hotels and you know all of that stuff you continuously buying stuff second thing is people are buying online so uh when people move from offline to online it's much easier for us like gillette is in 2 million stores in india We are in fifty thousand stores, so offline we we can't compete as as well yet. But you put all of us in uh, in an online store, then our ability to compete is much higher. So 
when when traffic online goes up we we take a significant chunk of that uh, traffic for our uh, for our products so uh, what is your current monthly rate are you at liberty to yeah we we do we 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 do 8 8 and 1/2 crores a month now. so we are looking to and like we are we are solid 100 crore brand now so we are hoping to hoping to increase by 50% this year okay so so what's like a five year vision for bombay shaving club what all categories do you see yourself in i think men's shaving uh, we want to be uh, bigger than gillette in the consumables business right we want to be bigger than nivea in the consumables so i think so what do you mean by consumables like the, the razor the no, the non razor blade business like the shaving cream shaving foam after shave balm that stuff right like we want to own that right so our super food proposition through our amazing packaging really sensorial product experiences we want to own that so uh, i think a uh, 500 crore business there and uh, we want to own uh, women's hair removal uh, from a product experience standpoint also that's another 500 crore business so we want to be a 1000 crore business uh, which owns hair removal for men and women in the next 5 years okay do you see yourself getting acquired like you know say like if uh, rb like is really impressed with how you're handling the d2c they might just decide to bring you in yeah so we i mean always always see i, I think acquisition is should be should be a more practical decision than an emotional one um so if the value is right the time is right look i always feel that uh, self grown brands sometimes need a home to achieve their next um realm of growth right um you can let's say we can go to 200 crores but if rb or colgate buys us and they can take us to every store and every sales person of colgate or rb has bombay shaving company as a separate line item in their targets they can do in one year what we will take 5 years to do so it isn't isn't that better for the company yeah if if they acquire us at a good at, at a fair value is that good return uh, on investment to all the people who have put in the money over many years yes do employees feel that you know they do they make money yes do they get more professional opportunities as a part of a huge company like colgate or racket working in many geographies working in many countries uh, working in multiple functions learning and becoming more seasoned fmcg executive absolutely at the right value right future intent every company needs to think hard rather than taking what i feel is a very myopic view of saying oh i don't want to lose my uh, you know freedom and this. that's all i think uh, indian promoters associate like the reason why indian promoters don't sell is that their identity is, the, is their company and then they end up kind of refusing really what i feel are lucrative and better thing for the company but for us i when the time is right if the offer comes uh, if it works for our investors if it works for our employees if it's good for the brand we'll do it and what is it that you are personally passionate about you know like so one is of course building bombay shaving club uh, but besides that like you know santanu as a person what is it that you seek to learn or how do you seek to spend your time when you're not building bombay shaving club uh or it's like 24/7 uh, 
No, 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 no. I'm a very regular guy, and I, 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 I love watching sports. I, I am, I, I am on online. I devour content online. Like I'm on Twitter, and I, I have so many varied interests. Um, uh, I love music. Um, I play the tabla. Uh, I love hanging out with my friends. So for me, like if you remove Mumbai Shipping Company from my life, I will be very happy to spend time. I'm a very social guy. I make friends easily. um mine you know i want to i also want to start i want to get into teaching now so i've started getting interested a lot in like primary and middle school mathematics i feel that if 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 8 to 14 year olds in india are taught mathematics the right way uh, we will have a very different kind of workforce that comes out uh, in the future so i'm thinking how how i can do that because i have a passion for teaching mathematics to school my friends kids for example uh, i'm very like i'm curious to see how i can teach many of them uh man but i a lot of lot of lot of passion if you like this story then do check out the amazing range of products that shantanu is offering at bombayshavingcompany.com you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is d h e p o d i u n dot i n for a complete list of all our shows this episode of founder thesis podcast is brought to you by long haul ventures long haul ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul more about them is at www.longhaulventures.com